Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited to share this episode with the one and only Jordan Harbinger with you guys. If you don't know him, Jordan is the host of the iTunes global top show, The Jordan Harbinger Show, and one of the few podcasts that I actually listen to regularly. I mean, he's had everybody on, Russell Brand, former CIA directors, anyone that you can imagine, Mob Hitman. It's awesome. And he is a host that I greatly admire for his interview chops and insane storytelling skills. He's traveled all over the world, shares his stories. He also has incredible A-list guests and some that you've never even heard of that turn out to be some of the best shows. And we dig into his background, what and who inspires him, what it takes to be a great podcast host, his thoughts on Larry King, and we unpack some of my favorite shows of his and get some insight in behind the scenes. So come join us for a killer conversation with one of my podcast heroes, Jordan Harbinger. Let's do this. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Thrilled to have Jordan on the show. Let's get to it. Jordan Harbinger, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. So let's get right to it here. So way before the show that you have now, before the Art of Charm and the early stuff like the Pickup Podcast, you were coaching people on networking and giving them dating advice in college. At what point did you decide that you were the man, that you were the guy that people should be listening to on this subject matter? Sure. So I, I first started teaching networking skills because I was working as a Wall Street attorney and I met that partner that you mentioned in the introduction and I was like, hey, how do I work from home? And he's like, don't worry about that. Just if you want to be a partner here, you got to bring in business. So I started to learn networking for bringing in business. Well, it was really interesting stuff because I started to go to these like Dale Carnegie classes and sales classes and things like that. But I realized that no one wearing a sweater vest teaching Tuesday nights at the YMCA knows anything about how to bring in a multi-million dollar law deal from Goldman Sachs, you know, to my wall. Like they just, it's, they're teaching you how to remember people's names and, and you know, for, look them in the eye and have a firm handshake. And I was like, okay, this stuff has its place, but, you know, please, like, give me a break. So I started to study this stuff on my own, and then my law school asked me to teach small little elective courses, not even courses, but, like, little workshops on networking, and nobody cared. And so I started to bring those workshops and teach them to – to uh, teach them at bars because even doing it in a hot room in the law school was kind of a drag and there were like five, four or five people right. would show up. And as we went to the bars, my group was all women because they were the only people who thought networking was important. All the guys were like, I don't care, bro. I'm just going to be a wealthy banker. And I'm like, cool, call me in 10 right. years. Just going to hand up business stalls. card and shake hands. Yeah, yeah. right. It's like, yeah, look them in the eye and have a firm handshake. So these women were far more interested in networking because they realized they were joining kind of an old boys club of of attorneys and financial people in New York. And they were like, I need to learn how to navigate this. And I was, it was sort of the blind leading the blind, but I was teaching them everything I knew about psychology, persuasion, influence, which I'd really been studying at that point for like a year and change. So I had a good leg up. You're a grasp on yeah, the knowledge. Yeah, a decent grasp in any case. 
So I started teaching that, and then guys were like, hey, how come you have, like, 12 women showing up? What's this dude with the gaggle of girls around him? Yeah, because the women were like, this is really interesting, let me bring friends. And as I brought friends, my group got bigger, and we started analyzing body language and nonverbal communication for people who were, like, on dates and stuff. And they were like, this is so interesting. So since guys started asking about the group of women that I was with, I started teaching the guys what I was doing. And then they'd bring their friends, and I kept having to repeat myself over and over because we had new people showing up every day. So I started burning my talks to CDs, recording them and burning them to CDs. I remember I remember those. Yeah, CDs, just generally. It's a laser disc. <laughs> a small laser disc. And then guys would be like, I need five CDs because my roommate wants one and my cousin should get one and my brother needs one. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to get rich selling CDs, right? I'm not going to – or giving them away for free. I'm, I'm – not going to get rich selling them for 25 bucks each. Like it's just not a good business model. So I've eventually figured out podcasting because a friend of mine told me about it. It was like brand new. It was like a year or two I mean, old or something what, like that. What year, what year are we talking about? 2006. Just for reference 2006. Right. And there was, there, there, was a, there was a handful of them, right? And and we didn't know where to listen to them. We didn't know where to get them. You had to go to different you know, websites. And it you wasn't had to just have anywhere iTunes, even remotely. which was like only available, I think it just come out for Windows, like brand new. Could you run it on a PC? And it was all text navigation. There wasn't like show art and fancy graphics. There was no feature banners, nothing. It was like a text gallery that you could navigate. And then we made a website. analog. (laughs) And yeah, it was all basically analog. And then, you know, people would share via word of mouth. And so I started the show about dating because of that. Not because I was like, dating is a thing that I'm an expert in. It was like, no one cares about networking. Dating is something that I'm talking about in a way that no one else literally that I knew was talking about it other than a few guys on the internet which later got famous for like creating this whole scene of like pickup artisty stuff that was kind of douchey and gross yeah. and, and then Tucker Max came on the scene and Tucker, and Tucker Max, Max's yeah. book Tucker yeah. Max came on the scene and like he he you know like th- there's kind of this movement of guys trying to figure this stuff out and a lot most of them were kind of gross and so and you had the you had a competitive advantage we had a competitive a advantage cuz our thing take. was we're going to be the not gross guys who do this we're gonna be the good guys. Yeah, we're gonna be the, the guys white you want to. You guys you want to bring home to your mom. Yeah, right? we're gonna be the white hat guys who are like not lying to women, not treating women like crap because we can trigger some insecurities. You know, it was all about like making guys better, and which is shocking because now it's like duh. But back in two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, nobody was like, hey, if your dating isn't working out. Maybe you're kind of a shy, insecure weirdo that does stupid crap that pisses people off. Just saying, you know, we were Back the first people. Back then, it was like people, you have the wrong pickup lines. We, 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 were, we were the first people to kind of like say, like, part of this is your responsibility, and by part of it, I mean ninety nine percent, right? It's not the women yeah. rejecting you because they're you. mean. You need to deserve what you want, and the way you do that is you work on yourself. And so, like, we we had a lot of guys who didn't like us because they wanted to be like, women are just bad. Wah, here's my magic pickup artist lines. But as what we as the whole scene started to get bigger, what we were teaching was really popular because other than like some pretty unhealthy guys, like any guy who was healthy who found the dating niche, the pickup artisty niche, was immediately like, ooh, cringe. But if they found us, they were like, ah, it's not all gross. So we they built a looking, multi-million dollar business it. off being like, hey, we're not all gross. That was like our competitive advantage, like you said, was just like we're not disgusting and misogynist. And that worked for a few, for several years. Right. And that's not the best outward facing uh, marketing tagline, but that was behind the scenes yeah. there. And what was that, what was that moment where you were like, Hey, let's, you know, this podcasting thing is real. It's a great medium. I, I kind of have a good feel for this. I'm going to go with it. So the first few years, I just really enjoyed doing it. And then I moved to wall street to do the law thing permanently and or permanently, you know, made the move from Michigan to go do that. And 
I ended up with a guest spot on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, and then they were like, hey, you should have your own show about this. So then I started doing the show, and I was like, I really enjoy radio and podcasting. So I kept doing it, and as we built a multi-million dollar business of coaching, which back then wasn't a thing, now everybody's a freaking coach, no. but back then there weren't coaches for most things. That's a podcast for another day, man. We could it, talk about yeah, that the whole for, for days. The, I call it the bullshit industrial complex where there's like consultants for people who want to become coaches who sell programs on the internet about well, it's courses income. on courses, right? Yeah, like courses selling on the courses. shovels, exactly. Exactly. Um, and so we, I started to just realize, like, hey, if I'm if we're making literally millions of dollars in sales per year, and a hundred percent of these leads are coming from the podcast. This is a really good business model somehow, somewhere, some way. It's working. And then fast forward 11 years later, when I split up with my business partners, I brought the audience with me and I was like, I don't want to coach anymore. I don't want to sell products anymore because of what we just talked about, the bullshit industrial complex. So now the Jordan Harbinger show, I don't sell consulting. I don't sell courses about making passive income while you sleep using magic internet keywords i don't do that the revenue is real sponsorship dollars yeah. from real core advertising yeah. if you hear if you're metrics. listening to the former cia director john brennan or on the jordan harbinger show or russell brand or matthew mcconaughey you're gonna hear <laughs> yeah, a freaking mattress ad and I, I don't apologize for that because it means no it's a business it means that i don't have to go by the way if you want to really make money and be a successful person come to my las vegas workshop I where i'll regurgitate man. platitudes that i read in a self-help book seven years ago i'm while gonna you 12x your career i'm gonna 12x exactly. your life here we're, yeah. we're done with that so a question that i love to ask every podcast especially podcasters at your level who are your early influences as far as great hosts you know really great personalities great mm. interviewers great interviewers like terry gross is really good from fresh air um, she's like an old school interviewer. She, her thing is all, I sh I don't need to have an opinion on anything. I'm impartial. And I'm like, like, fuck, fuck that. Can I say that on your show? Say whatever yeah, you want, I'm like, fuck that, right? No, you should have an opinion. You should not be impartial. I was talking with Leah Remini. You know who that is from King of Queens uh, slash Scientology? Yeah, she's, I love that show. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, lo I love that show, man. That show is, it's a really good show, first of all. She is a good face of Scientology. I mean, if they ever want to remarket that thing, I mean, Leah Remini is a great I think side the note on that. But. train has sailed given that she left the church and now considers them like a mortal enemy and talks about them literally every chance <laughs> yeah, that Yeah, we're, we're past that one. Yeah. So we were talking about that. We were talking about Scientology. I've heard, what was my original point? It was not Scientology. I just can't remember what the hell we were talking no about. we're talking about podcast hosted or hosted that have inspired you for the way your style your approach yes oh right so so i we made a joke about being impartial and she goes you better not be fucking impartial about scientology's a dangerous cult and i was like you know that's a really good point when you're talking to a journalist yeah they got to be impartial like i understand why that is but on the other hand there are some things where you don't need to be impartial and i realize okay i'm a journalist technically but no, I am I am 100% editorial. Like if you come on my show and, and you're telling me something and I don't believe you, I'm going to say, I don't really believe that. You better show me some evidence because I'm speaking for the listener. I don't have to sit there and be like, well, this is fair and that's fair. I can sort of choose when to do that. It's, so, it's your show. So with Terry Gross, she says, oh, I, I, I never interject my opinion. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's your style. It's not my style. But I like how she's really good at listening. She's really good at prep she keeps conversations going she knows a lot about what the about the guest I, and then i take a little bit from larry king who is terrible at prepping and probably like the worst prepper in that he does none and it's kind really obvious jumps into it he is like I, what's your name what's your name <laughs> how, how did you feel when seinfeld was canceled do you it's not 
It was not. Can- it was the most popular show in television history. Do you even Google people before they come on there? Jerry Seinfeld said something like that. Do you even do you even know who's in front of you before the like before you start filming? Because it was like, how did you feel? And, when and Seinfeld Jerry could say came? that. Yeah, and it right? doesn't. It's not a good it's look. Jerry. It wasn't a good look, Larry. Yeah. So, but what Larry King is good at is just coming in and using his own curiosity. He leans on it as a crutch and does no other prep, which is too bad. But I take that, and then I take the prep from Terry Gross and and Charlie Rose, you know, and then I mix those together, and I put in my own personality, and that's what I get. That's why I prep for like 10, 12 hours for a guest, but then when I am listening to them, I'm not just sitting there smiling and nodding as they spout bullshit. Like, I'm going to say, hey, that doesn't sound true, or I looked that up. Turns out, you're wrong. You know, like, they have to defend that, Um, and that, to me, is what makes it interesting. I never tried to copy any one person's style because I was kind of like, the people that are really good, first of all, most people who are interviewing on podcasts are not that good. I'm not saying there's no good interviewers. I'm just saying that like one in a thousand or eh, less, one in 10,000 is really good and the rest are just kind of like, you're faking it. You're trying to be a life coach. It's a, it's, exactly. It's a combination of having the passion because any good host, right? You, you need to want to do this. And it's something I wanted to get to later. The amount of prep work that goes into a great show is people only see the tip of the fucking iceberg. Mm -hmm. They don't see that at all. They don't see the passion. They don't see the drive. They don't see that energy. And the other piece, tell me, right, when you get off of these shows, you have some incredible guests on, some real highly intellectual guests, some folks that are sharing an insane, we'll get to the mob hitman in a little bit story, Mm -hmm. but are you mentally drained as like an athlete, a performer, when you come off the court, when you hang up the microphone, when you shut it off, like, are you drained? How do you feel? Yeah, I'm often too tired. Like my wife will say, hey, why don't you record all those pickups and all those intros and outros when you're done with the show since it's fresh on your mind? And I'm I'm usually like, are you kidding me? I want to go out and like go upstairs and lay down or I want to eat or I want to go for a walk and listen to music. The last thing I want to do is be like, oh, good. That was a super, super exhausting 90 minutes. Where can I do more talking into the microphone while pretending to be energized? Like... No, you, I got to be fresh for that stuff. And I've learned from it's very difficult for me to fake energy. And so I've sort of stopped trying with very few exceptions. Like if if I'm being interviewed on a British TV show and it's five o'clock in the morning or, or radio show, it's 5 a.m. I'm not. Inter- I will figure it out. Or if I'm doing something overseas and it's 8 p.m., 9 p.m. And that's the only time they had because over there it's 11 in the morning. I'll fake it, but I don't You'll I don't want to do up. like entire interviews and commercials and appearances. You know, I just cancel it if I'm not going to do well because it's it's too it's too hard. Right. And your audience expects a certain level for you. Like they want to come into every show and know that they're going to get the best Jordan out there. Because yeah. the audience follows the host as much as a guest, yeah. if not more. And it goes back to having the personality and, and really just digging in and asking those hard hitting questions. We'll get to that in a little bit, but there's something really interesting. Um, in late 2019, you had best-selling author Rob Reed come on and a sci-fi writer was talking about, you know, the, these pandemics and these other crazy things that are happening. Fast forward six months later, shit, we're here, right? Mm-hmm. We're here, we have this crazy pandemic, right? I mean, looking back on that, um, does it feel like he was projecting it? Is it kind of, does it kind of, do you question that at night sometimes? Like, holy shit, this guy was on. He was calling it. Fast forward, this freaking flu comes from China. We have no idea where it comes from. Well, I mean, what his, so Rob Reed um, on the Jordan Harbinger show, what he'd said was. It was a biological attack. We're right? going to be synthetic. able to print DNA on a printing machine. And, you know, it'll be like a 3D printer where like nice high schools have one. Every college has one. And, and. That it's going to be dangerous because even though humans can't design viruses unless you have a PhD and you have a magical DNA printer that doesn't exist yet, uh, 
So we know we're going to so eventually be able to do that, and then someone's going to find the design of a deadly bioweapon because it's going to get leaked, just because data always finds its way around. Or even just like the Spanish flu of 1918 is going to get leaked, right? It doesn't have to be like a bioweapon. And then they have a little bit somewhere in a jar in a vault oh, for that sure. might get yeah, loose. Yeah, and it's gonna, they're all going to take the genome of all that so they can study it. <laughs> you know, they probably already have that stuff. It's just that you can't print it in high school. But eventually someone will print it. They'll think it's a hilarious joke if they give it to their friend, or it'll just fall in a jar and break, or it'll get released by a nefarious bad actor. It'll be like, you know, I hate to, I'm not making light of this, but like, you know, you think school shooters are bad. Wait until somebody prints a biological, a horrifying biological disease and says, you know, oh, screw everybody in my school. I hate everyone. You know, that's the kind of thing that can start a pandemic. So that was what Rob Reed said. Hey, look, this is literally right around the corner. Uh, and then in 2021, we ended up with covid it's not a 3D printed, or it's not a, a pr something that got printed in a high school. Look, maybe, for all I know, this was created in some lab. Some, I don't think there's any evidence for that. I want to be very clear. People say that you're, kind so of you're, thing. You're good on the bat. Yeah, you're, so you're you're still going with the, someone ate a bat story. I, I'm still going with... Some variation I of think that. Like, that's weird shit. Either someone You've ate traveled. a bat or, or it was an accidental, they were studying this and got released. I'm not full on... Somehow, some ways, there's a secret conspiracy where they spread it to the whole world to destroy the account. Like I'm, I'm like, it was either negligent or completely innocent, although stupid as hell because they should have seen it coming. But it was either negligent or grossly ne negligent and not like some sort of deliberate act. I think it's just that's just too much. Anyway, that's conspiracy rabbit hole that I never want to go down and and don't really believe. No, in. like, but what Rob I Reed was that. saying, like the Bill Gates ones, right? The Bill Gates. The oh, Bill the Gates Mike Bill thing. Gates is going to microchip us. Listen, exactly. Listen, dipshits. All right, if you think Bill Gates is going to in inject you with microchips, why are you posting about this from the phone? And why would he need to? Why would he need to? You're carrying a tracking device in your hand at all times that you use to take pictures and videos of yourself. You bring it everywhere. Everything. It sleeps next to you. Why does he need that in your blood? He doesn't. He knows more about you because you're willingly giving it to Google and to Facebook. Too. You know, come on, man. Like, he's going to microchip us. Also, the smallest microchips available right now are not something you can easily... Not going through a needle. No, no they're not. No. You'll feel it. It'll get jammed yeah. up in that needle. We're not, we're not, we're not going to go there. Yeah, so, it's so just, glad to see we're on the same page with the conspiracy theory. Yeah. They're kind of fun to listen to. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I enjoy them because I, and, and there is a little teeny, they all start with that little nugget. Like there has to be some little nugget of somewhat truth in, in that theory at some point, maybe right in the, not in the right sequence. Maybe someone told it a little bit I mean, different. I don't know. Like this, the dumbest shit I've heard lately is stuff like 5G towers cause COVID-19. And I'm like, that's not true. wow, that's. That's real dumb because all you have to do is go like even the first thing you think of to test that hypothesis fails immediately, which was, OK, let's look at where there are 5G towers and then look at where there's COVID-19. And it's like look South Korea has the most 5G towers in the world and they have like no COVID-19 at all. So then I'm like, OK, yeah, so that it, fails. It not add up. Like I can Google search destroy that argument. Right. Yeah, well, that's. That's the thing about Google, right? They're, they're, the, the, facts, the facts are out there. So we're going to take a little time capsule moment here. Important to note that we are recording this show on January 20th, 2021, the date of Joe Biden's inauguration. 
46th president, with all the craziness and turmoil in the world too, does it feel weird to be a podcaster who's really bringing to light some of these issues before they ever were in the minds of the average person? I mean, you're bringing on experts that predict things, that, that, that see trends, that notice things that are happening before anything else. Like, do you feel that you really do have a responsibility because your show is so big? Yeah, I do. And it's interesting you should say that because I was just thinking about this um, this week and, and a little bit this morning is people will say something like, Hey, are you going to talk about QAnon? And I, before I was like, no, I think that's going to be in, you know, months ago, I was like, nah, the phenomenon, it's, it's a thing, but it's not really that mainstream. And then when the Capitol riots hit, I went, okay, we, I do need to explain what this is. Cause I'm, I've been getting emails where they're like, Hey, and we have feedback Friday, which is like our advice shows. I've been getting emails from people that are like, Hey, my mom or my grandma or whatever believes that what is this? And I go, that's QAnon. And they're like, oh, I Googled that. Wow, I never knew this existed. And I was like, okay. So, because at first I thought, I'm just looking at all this weird stuff all the times. So I thought, this is like 0.00001% of the population. It's just loud on Reddit where I'm at. And now I'm like, nope, there are enough of these brainwashed dipshits. It's a sizable mess. To cause real problems. So I am going to do a show about QAnon. And and my friend who wrote a book called The Cult of Trump, who's obviously, he's not a Trump fan, obviously. Um, it's about to ask you who your, who your guest is. It's Stephen Hassan, who's going to do this. He's a cult expert who invented a lot of the, the bite model and things that experts use now to evaluate cults. At first, when he wrote that, I was like, ah, oh, this is hyperbolic, dude. You're going to take a lot of flack for the title. I don't really want to do a show about it because I'm more impartial. That's where I'm impartial. I don't do a lot of politics on the show. But th now I'm like... Wow, you really were right. There are people who literally believe things like Trump was ordained by God and he's not and Biden's not really the president. He, mm -hmm. Trump is a secret president. That's why he wasn't at the inauguration. I mean, just they actual realize. lunatic bullshit like that. They believe it. And so I go, okay, we need to address QAnon because it actually is the missing piece for a lot of people who who don't know why their mom is acting weird, who don't understand why their parents are like saying the dumbest, most it's insane It's not just shit Fox possible. News. It's not just they watch no, Fox no. News 20 hours a day. No, it's like actual cult. It's like an actual political cult that is defies logic and is completely inane and ridiculous. And, and has used modern digital and social media to really transmit their message very easily. Exactly. And, and like, even, again, looking back at, like, the 5G causes COVID thing, it cues predictions, cue the person, the, the mysterious secret agent who's predicting all these things. Well, all you have to do is check and see the last out of the last 50, 10, whatever, however many projections predictions that it's made uh, that the cult has made, which have come true. And it's not even close. They'd have a better luck if they just flipped a coin. They're far worse the than probability in terms of predicting anything. It's like Nostradamus, how people think like, oh, he was dead on. No, that guy was wrong so fucking much that it's not even remotely within the realm of sanity to say that guy was a prophet of any kind. I mean, he's completely... I mean, he had a couple of big ones, though. He had a couple of big ones that made a name for himself. I, right? I don't like, think so. No, I think he's no. he said a few things that, like, over X number of 100 years were going to happen, but, like, were not really that dif difficult to predict. Or he never said in any of his original work, and someone goes, no, Sardamus predicted this. And then when you they look it up, it's, like, not there at all. You know? Well, they... They didn't have Google back then. And so I want to spend a few minutes here. And, and I, as I mentioned early on, I'm, I'm a tremendous fan of the show. So your style of interviewing and the way you approach your guests. The Russell Brand one stood out to me. A little bit behind the scenes here. Right? He was rushing. He was doing a TV show appearance. And he seemed a little bit tired. And at first, in the beginning of the show, I felt like he wasn't fully engaged. But you did a great job. And you pulled him in. And you said something interesting. You said that he 
was tops on your dream guest list. Why Russell Brand? Yeah, I don't remember why he was top on there uh, at the time that I recorded it. I think just because he's like so zany, but also he's he's smart. I don't agree with like most of the stuff that he says now. It's a little bit too woo-woo or, you know, crystal healer for me. Um, but I don't think he's dumb at all. I think he's a smart guy. And I he he's like really opinionated. He's a great performer. So that comes across. So that was always sort of like at the top of the list for those reasons. Is, is he still who is your number one guest right now that you would love to have on your show? I mean, you've I mean, hmm. the, I mean, it's an all star list. Yeah, it's hard to say because the problem with having a dream guest is you can get them on and then they're like not really wanting to have a conversation or they're really, really dry or or they just like give that you, dream hot chick and then you get her. I'm not even. Gonna yeah, you know, where, I, we all know where that was going. <laughs> but it's like, like, I would say something like, wouldn't it be cool to have Jim Carrey on? Right. He would be amazing. Or would he just be sitting there and be like, fuck this. Or, I hate podcasts. And, we don't know. He, yeah, he may just he may just Yeah, just send it in. Yeah, he may phone it in. You don't right. Want that. You don't want yeah. that. Like when you see him on Netflix or on YouTube and he's talking about all these deep things and he's thought about everything. I'm like, that is what the Jim Carrey that I want on the show. But you could easily get him and he could just be like. I've had a shitty week. What? I thought you were going to ask me about the mask. You know, just I don't want to talk him. about this. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. You get that with guests sometimes, and you just go, well, that was disappointing. It's rare, but people get tired, you know? That's why I, I do, like, I'm careful to, like, schedule things in the morning their time, it's, it's but not too early in the morning their time. Because you don't want to get somebody at 6 p.m. when they're like, oh, my God, I've done 80 of these. Um, well, when we had Matthew McConaughey on... I got him and, I, he? and I, he goes, this is the first one of the day. And I go, oh, that's great. Meanwhile, I was like, I know we definitely made damn sure. We waited months instead of doing it. Like I, th- people go, wow. Yeah, you, he's been, he's been on a tear, he's man. On a he's tear. on everything. People go, why did you release this in January? I thought you would have gotten him in October. No, because people, one, I wanted him to, to be better at being interviewed because he was okay in the first few. Now he's on fire. But I also wanted the, the early morning time slot. And they're like, he doesn't have anything available because he's got all these projects going. And I was like, when's the first available morning time slot? And they were like, January, whatever, or December. I think it was December 22nd or something like that. And I was like, fine. So I waited months because I don't need to be first. I want to be the best. And in order to be the you. best, the guest has to be at their best. And he, you can tell the ones he did at like 6 p.m. Because he's like... Hey guys, yeah, oh yeah, I got this book. uh, Yeah, I've got this book. It's great. (laughs) Let me tell you a couple stories. I wanted him to be like the coffee's just kicking in. I've got a all right, all right. Let's do it. Right, right, all right. That's what I wanted, and I and he was all right, all right, all right. Like he was raring to go. Gave it to you. And at the end, he was like, "This is a great way to start the day." And I was like, "You know what? You don't want to hear this was an okay way to end the day, right?" Because then he's just mailing it, mailing it in, hoping that you are not a boring jerk. That's, you know, you don't want that for your, I got, I got hundreds of thousands of people listening to this. Imagine wasting that many people's time. That's criminal. They know, they know to bring their A game and listen, you have a huge audience. Do you ever get starstruck? I mean, have you ever been just like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm talking to, you know, this person. No, you know why? I don't give a shit about celebrities. Um, I hope I'm allowed to talk like this on your show. I'm being like really candid and I'm a little bit potty mouth compared to how I am on the show. You know, I know I don't use profanity on the Jordan Harbinger show ever. Um, because there's a lot you think of kids. that's a sponsorship thing? No, no, it, it's because there's kids. Audience? No, it's because there's kids listening. Like I get letters. You just don't want to check that little box that says it includes explicit I don't lyrics. Wanna you never want to click do that. explicit. It's true. I mean, yeah, because it it, it gets blocked and, in like 
certain music stores and apps won't won't carry. Well, that's important. I mean, just, just to get technical with some podcasters out there, like that really does make a difference in your reach. It, it, it can, does, yeah. We, like if you look at your show in the Russian, except for Howard Stern, in the Russian uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, if your show is marked explicit, it, it it's not available for download. Because Russia doesn't like profanity. They don't mind assassinations and shit, but don't you dare so, swear. So great segue here. Let's talk about Mob Hit, one of my favorite double episodes. Anthony S. Luciano Romaldi. Did I pronounce his name wrong? I definitely butchered For his sure. name. How do you say his last name? Right, whatever. Yeah. This dude told his story about killing the— When he gets into this Pope killing story, the assassin— Did, did you know that was coming? Did that Was that in yeah, the research? Yeah, I did, yeah. I did know that was coming. And I— I still don't believe it. Do you believe it? I don't it? necessarily know what I believe and don't believe. I did as much I lost my as shit I when I heard that, by the way. I literally had to rewind. I had, I had to go back and listen to that part again. I'm like, did he really just go through this whole story about how they set up the poisoning and assassination of the Pope? So the thing is— some of that stuff is for sure true. The dates line up. The people line up. Some of the people that I checked out through other sources know him. But can we prove that everything he said is correct? No. And also, if there was somebody who would be like, I know he didn't poison the Pope because I poisoned the Pope. We're, we're not going to get that person. Right? Because... We know how the mob we works. We, the Some mob don't is not say. going to sit there and go, oh, no, that was John Gotti's nephew, so-and-so. He lives in Hoboken. Like, <laughs> Fact check, fact yeah. check. Sorry, I got to call you on this one, Jordan. That's not right. the guy. It's my cousin over there in Rehawken. And, and yeah. there's been a couple of people who've emailed me, and they're like, you know what's weird? I worked on the such-and-such -such job with these guys, and I never met him. And I'm like, that is suspicious. But then I got emails from people that go, by the way, I remember him because I, my dad had a clothing store next to the bar where they all met, and I know all those guys really well, and I remember him. He wouldn't know who I was because I was only 15 at the time. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a pretty credible piece of evidence that he was there all the time, but that doesn't mean he's the guy who you know did this or pulled the trigger on that or did it. So some of his stories may well be true. Other parts of the story might be like he was there when this happened, but it wasn't him or he heard about it and all those guys are dead now. So he's saying it's part of his history. We it's, will never it's know. It's great radio, man. Dude, but it's great radio. So those, there's a couple of shows that I recommend when, when people ask me what shows do I listen to and I recommend your shows, a couple of these episodes. North Korea, man. I got so into it. I got so into it. And it, and it's your story, which is different than your, you know, you're, you're talking, mm -hmm. you're talking with your buddy Gabe about the, the times that you went there. What's up with the bathrooms there? I have to ask you, man. The bathrooms, you really get too the big. bathrooms are the what's worst. The deal with, what's, the, what's the deal with North Korean bathrooms? And I have a thing when I travel, too. I, I have not traveled as, as extensively as you, but one of the things that I love to do in foreign countries is go to every bathroom that I can. I'm fascinated by it. I mean, them. that is kind of cool. You go to Japan, and there's a toilet that has, like, music on it and shit. <laughs> and no place, like, where do, there's no toilet seat. There's a hole in the floor. He has handles. Like, what do I yeah, do? Yeah. What's the technique? I would never be able to use public bathroom handles, I'll tell you that. Um... Especially so so North Korea had, has some of the bathrooms are fine. Some of the bathrooms are not. I think one of the stories I told on the podcast was one where I was particularly shocked because it wasn't like in a rural area. This was le legit like a toilet in a like a museum or something. And I walk in and I'm like, I'm going to pee in the urinal. And I'm peeing. I'm, it's, it was warm on this trip that I went. Uh, I went there four times. It was warm on this particular trip. So I was wearing shorts and flip-flops or something like that, I think. Or or, or long pants and flip-flops. Hawaiian t-shirt. Yeah, khakis. And I, yeah, because why not stick out even more by wearing my Gary Busey uniform? <laughs> so so I, I, I'm peeing in a urinal and I feel some splashing on my foot. And I figure it's the condensation dripping from the bottom of the urinal, you know, because of the cold water and the heat outside. 
And then I realize that it's warm and I'm like, oh my God, is it leaking on my feet? And that's, that's the point at which I realized that the urinal is not connect. It's connected to the wall. It's as in it's mounted on the wall, but instead of the drain going down and into the wall, it just, there's just, it just drips onto the floor and then the floor has a drain in a low spot. So all the urinals, you pee in it, and then they just drip onto the floor right on your freaking feet. You might as well just piss on yourself. You might as and, well and just piss, piss on yourself or piss into the drain. But they had just mounted these urinals and they were like, hey, we don't have any plumbing that's in the wall and we're not going to make any. So they just made them drip. And I, and I talked to the guide because the guide came in and took a piss next to me. And I go, really? Like, what's up with this? And he started laughing and he goes, you know, it's pretty normal here. And I remember thinking, like, he had this sort of look of embarrassment because he was like, yeah, this is a little gross. And I was like, this doesn't go into the wall and go outside. And he sort of started laughing and he was like, these are old bathrooms. <laughs> and really I'm like, maybe that. that's true. But I doubt they're so old that they didn't have plumbing because they're even the Romans had aqueducts and shit, man. Like, what are you talking about? These are old bathrooms. They're probably from 1965. Yeah, and we, and we digress in the North Korean conversation there. But some of the great stuff you talk about is really your perspective when you engage with the North Koreans, you're not going there to change their opinion. No. You're going there to listen and understand. And I think that was my big takeaway from listening to, aside from the fascinating behind the curtain, really your your your, your perspective and you know the duality of, of what these folks know and what they don't know and the perception and everything, but it's going there and, and having that attitude of not wanting to change your opinion. You're not going there to convert them. It's not going to happen. You can't even, I wouldn't even, you shouldn't even try because not only are you not going to succeed, but you're going to get reported to the police or something. That's that's definitely that's definitely a good, good idea. Do you have do you have a favorite episode? No, but I recently made a bunch of I made a bunch of pages at jordanharbinger.com/start where you can go and look at some of my favorites in each category. So it's like sports, spies, psychology, neuroscience, storytelling, like Jordan's picks. They're like my picks. They're actually my team's picks. But we made it at jordanharbinger.com slash start because people will be like, oh, hey, I just heard about your show from a friend. Where should Where I, start? I start? I'm like, from... well, what do I know? There's 7,000 freaking, I mean, there's like literally like 1,200 episodes. Where do I go? And I'm like, I don't know. Then I have to ask them what they're interested in and then make a recommendation. So if you go to jordanharbinger.com slash start, you can just pick a category where you're like, oh, I like science. Oh, I like true crime. Click on that. Then you'll find a list of picks, then you can find those, and then you can either find those episodes in your podcast app or you can play them right off the website. I love it, man. What's a, what's a great piece of advice you would give to someone starting out in podcasting? Uh, you're probably never going to make any money, so don't even try. But you can do a podcast. Just don't be doing it to try to make money because it's like the, the, the worst way to make money that I've ever found. <laughs> Well, it's a, it's a very small percentage that make it. Yeah. I mean, would you recommend? I mean, is a po is podcasting for everyone? Being a podcast? No, no. And, and that's the thing. Think it's like, they, it's, go to the course thing, right? Sorry, just I didn't mean to cut you off there, but go to the course thing. Yeah. They're like, you got to start a podcast. It's how yeah. you drive business. I'm like, some people just aren't meant to be a freaking host. It's they don't more, get it. They don't have a passion for yeah. it. I mean, think about this. Should everyone have their own TV show? No. Should everyone have their own book? Does everyone need to write a book? No. Well, now they do. I mean, now they do, right? But yeah. but no, not really. Like most books you read, you're like, this is bullshit. This is like a blog post fluffed out into 200 pages. It's terrible. Uh, it's, yeah, it's all, it's all derivative. And, and but so, so like, no, most people should not have a podcast just like I shouldn't have my own stand-up comedy routine. You think you could be a stand-up comedian? I mean, maybe that's a bad example. I shouldn't have my own underwear line, right? Why, why, why would you have a podcast 
if you're not going to put time and energy into the craft of being a, a talk show host, why? It's like, and should I be What's a model? Point? Should I have my own? I mean, and it's like, oh, it's part of like Instagram and Snapchat. It's like, I don't have Instagram because I don't like creating content for that. And I, I'm not going to put time and effort into it. Just like with YouTube. And you're not a fitness model. And I'm not a fitness model. And it doesn't make sense. Podcasting is now has been turned in by internet marketers who are like the worst. It has been turned into another channel of OMG, you have to do this, or your business is going to fail, blah, 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 thought leadership. Bad advice. They're doing that because they sell some crap that they want you to buy that's going to help you with your podcast. What they really want to do is make money off of you by being a person who can sell you shit so they convince you that it's you need to do this. Shovels. I, I, whenever people invite me to talk about podcasting, I ask if they want me to, to talk about why people should not start podcasts, and that's been a really popular talk. And um, I, I used to give an annual talk at a really big event called Please for the Love of God, Don't Start Another Podcast. And the, and the thing is... There had to be an acronym for that. that oh, event. God. That's a really good... I should come up with an acronym for that particular talk. But the, It's don't. It should be don't. The acronym should be don't and just and figure just it figure out. And just figure it out, yeah. Um, don't, yeah. Or like, the, yeah. Uh, but no. a lot of people... Every time I give that talk, people come up to me and they're like, I think you just saved me like 100 hours. And I'm like, yeah, oh, why? What do you do? And they're like, I'm a financial planner. And people keep telling me I should have a podcast. And I'm like, why the F would you do that? Why? Or they're like, yeah, I run an auto body shop and we have a website and an Instagram and people are saying we need a podcast. And I'm like, you absolutely do not need a podcast. You know, it makes sense that an auto body shop can have before and after pictures on their Instagram. That I understand. The, you sitting there Driving talking business. about ways you remove dents from cars and painting things when you don't really want to be doing that. That is the biggest waste of time I could possibly think of in my entire life. And, and it's not serving anybody good here. No. So let's bring it home. I mean, this show for me is a masterclass. I have the opportunity, just like you, to interview people where it's osmosis for me. And I'm learning so much. Quick tip for me. Based on the last 36 minutes of how I could be a better podcast host. Hmm. Your, your intro was, you could tell you were reading it and you were going pretty fast and blowing through it. I would make it a shorter intro only about the things you care about. And then get, because your whole job is not really to introduce me. It's just to get people interested in listening to this episode of the show. So nobody gives a crap that I like graduated from the University of Michigan with a law degree. They can look you up. They can they, look it up. Yeah. And even if they did care, it's not really why they're going to continue listening to the program. So just say, like when I introduce uh, somebody like the the chief of the, the former CIA director, John Brennan, who was on the show yesterday, I'm not going to say... He was the former CIA director under Barack Obama and was responsible for this and this and this. And then he did this and then da, 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 and the book is called this. I go, the former director of the CIA under Barack Obama, super fascinating guy. We talk about world events, why the Iran thing is a big problem, why the government is definitely spying on you and a whole bunch of other stuff you're not going to want to miss. Done. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a takeaway I'm going to do because I've been listening to a lot of the shows there too. And you record those afterwards. I do right? them after, you do them yeah. afterwards because it's a recap. And you're like, hey, this, this is going to be great. You're going to get right into it. I love it, man. I'm going to take that one. I might even re-record the intro here. I think I may it. actually re-record the intro here. So we're going to certainly do that. Um, Jordan, what's the single greatest piece of advice that you ever received that you take action on every single day of your life? Ooh, good question. Probably, um, I don't even know if this was advice or if I just thought of it. I'm going to say it was advice because it probably was. Uh, use a, a use a calendar religiously. So if something is on my calendar, it every single time gets done, uh, barring, you know, like I had some other thing come up that I had to put in there. If it's not on the calendar, it doesn't get done. So if someone's like, hey, can you talk right now? I'm like, no. 
because right now it says walk or right now it says play with your kid or right now it says you know go on the podcast or right now it says read and and like my wife you know she used to she's good about this now cuz half of her job is to protect my time but when i worked with a larger team she's good there would be people that would say things like why i mean no offense you're just sitting there and i'm like well i'm reading and they're like so you have time and i'm like no i don't i'm reading i'm reading and they're like God damn it. You know, because they wanted to like have a meeting and I go, no. And my business partners, they used to get really mad at me because they'd be like, you're not even doing anything. And I'm like, the reason that the show is good is because I do all of these things and I don't just get distracted by your whim because you want to go to In-N-Out Burger and you want it to turn it into a meeting. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. And and that is that has been magical for my productivity because I get up, I spend zero cognitive bandwidth thinking what I should do next because everything's on the calendar already. And if somebody wants me to do something, I have to find a place for it in the calendar. So if someone says, hey, I got this thing, it's going to take two hours. I don't just go, yeah, sure, let's do it tomorrow. And then I have like 17 two-hour things to do tomorrow. If it doesn't fit in the calendar, it's not happening on that day. So when someone says, this is going to take two hours, I go, great, July. And they're like, wow, that's really far out there. And I go, yeah, that's what I get. That's when I have two hours. To spend with a stranger, you know, like that's... It's, it's being a student of your calendar and being disciplined to it. And I love it, man. And last but not least, I have this question. I ask the same question on every show because I love the perspective on it. And it comes down to this. Everybody's had a journey in their life and their career. And there's been th those times when you're down, when you're at the lowest and you got to pull yourself up. And the word that resonates to me and the word that really is the foundation of the show is tenacity. And you look back on your life and those moments you had to pull yourself up and harness that tenacity. And those other times when you're sitting on top of the world and you're looking at this awesome show you have, your wife, your life, everything that's good and you want to show gratitude, what keeps you in focus? Jordan Harbinger, what is your North Star? Uh, I'm always trying to figure out what's best for my listening audience because that, that means people are going to keep listening. That means people are going to share. That means people are going to support the sponsors. So I just focus on that, which actually keeps things really easy because I know a lot of creators are like, ooh, this deal's going to pay me a lot of money and all I have to do is recommend a cryptocurrency scam, you know, or... Uh, oh, this is going to be really fun. It's an event where blah, 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 something, something, Instagram, TikTok. And I'm like, no, thanks. My audience doesn't care. I just stay focused on what's going to be good for the audience. I, it makes it makes me turn down money that later turns into more money because I'm not shilling freaking hair loss products or something um, or like dick pills, to put it bluntly. Uh, and... It makes me get up and prepare. It makes me not mail it in. It makes me like, that's, that's what's really the best. And I look at that, like, would I, am I creating something that's worth me listening to and spending my time? And if the answer is no, I'm like, uh, Hey, we got to delete this episode because this sucked or, um, it, Hey, would I use this product that I'm being asked to endorse? And if the answer is no, or probably not, I'm like, I don't care how much money it is because people are going to know that I don't recommend some bullshit vitamin that's for your brain that doesn't do anything like people will see through that and uh it's that whole thing like your reputation takes a lifetime to build and one second to destroy and so i just think 100%. about that when i see a fat check dangled in front of my nose i'm like i'm gonna say no to this one so i can say yes to the next hundred of these you know in the next love it, man. Dec decades to come dude i love it man jordan thank you for spending time with us this afternoon thank you for your sound advice thank you for inspiring me to be a great host. And I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. Yeah, you got it, man. Thank you. Awesome, man. And everyone out there, thank you for listening. And please go to jordanharbinger.com. I love this guy. Just dig in. Check out the North Korea episodes. You'll see what it's all about. Check Also check out his six-minute networking course. He's not trying to sell you anything. Just check it out there too. And I guess people, you want people to connect with you on Linkededin? Yeah, go for you it, cool man. You know, I'm at Jordan Harbinger everywhere.
uh, and LinkedIn. Yeah, people can add me there. But I, awesome. I just want people to listen and, to the podcast, you know? That's the main thing. It's just good stuff. It's just great, man. And I really appreciate it. This has been a good one for me. And to everyone listening, thank you for joining us on the podcast. You know where to find us, thepodcast.com. Remember, if you like this episode, share it, subscribe, spread the word. Remember, take care of each other. Stay, stay six feet apart. Wash your hands and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com. <laughs>